Welcome to Eat the Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore. I am with Jarrell Carper. Jarrell. Chris Moore. Hello. More, more Chris. You are a pastor. I am one of the pastors here. Excellent. Uh, we do this stuff every uh, every week. We do it tw- twice a week, and we just chew on God's Word together with a couple staff members. And so we wanted to... Uh, provide an additional episode each week covering the practices of discipleship that we are right in the middle of currently. So that is what you're here to talk about. Uh, yeah, I am. I'm which, excited, Chris. Which one are we talking about today? We're talking about the practice of communion, which was our <sighs> most recent sermon um, and one that I got to preach yesterday. It was a good sermon. You guys should go Thanks. listen to it if you haven't. Thanks. Yeah, it's the first like post-sermon podcast I've done for one that I preached. Yeah. So I thought I'd start by just throwing it back at you, like as a listener, (laughs) what was maybe, I mean, the first question we ask on every discipleship book, small group question is what struck you the most about the sermon? So I thought I'd just throw, throw one at you, Chris, and (laughs) off the top of your head, I mean, I don't, I won't judge you. Does this feel like you get to pat yourself on the back? No, I'm trying to avoid doing that. I'm I'm just... Like double dipping, Jarrell. (laughs) Can you just Um, tell me how awesome it was? Yes, it it was good. Um, One of the things that uh, struck me the most, I think, which is something that uh, I think we've talked about at length over time, is just the shifting of the frame of mind that uh, Christ is the prize. Mm -hmm. Christ is the reward. Relationship with him is the reward. The benefit is salvation. It's eternity. It's the blessings we receive here on earth. Um, that when you think about that, uh, I was uh, admittedly writing the sermon questions this morning. One of the things that I included in there was this idea that God doesn't want to just be like an on-call fix-it, you know, where you call him up and you're like, hey, my plumbing doesn't work. Right. And he's like, okay, I'll get down there. Like he's a plumber that <laughs> for the listeners, that's what God sounds like. <laughs> he's, he's the plumber that wants to like have dinner with you. Right. Um, but you know, to cut that short before it gets sacrilegious, um, just this idea that, that God is a relational God. And um, when we reduce him to his benefits, we, we've, we've missed kind of an essential part of our daily walk that I think is a membrane that holds and makes sense out of, most, if not everything else about the Christian life. Yeah, for sure. And there's definitely, one of the things we're going to do today is kind of juxtapose what can become viewed as attention, which is kind of the legal forensic understanding of salvation and then the relational side of salvation. And um, there's a little bit of irony in, um, you know, within our kind of some of our Protestant traditions where we, on paper, we talk highly in a legal forensic sense um, but then in our kind of practical life, we end up speaking about Jesus kind of as if he's just like our little buddy or our best friend or like Jesus is my Valentine, <laughs> you know, yeah, or like I'm dating Jesus, so I'm not going to date you. Yeah. We, just, we push both sides of the envelope. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're like, we're dancing around the tension and it just seems, you know, who knows when we're going to pick and choose. We're going to stamp down and like, no, we're all about like this legal kind of calculated mathematical salvation formula. And then we talk to our friends like, yeah, Jesus is my boyfriend. You're like, well, <laughs> are the, do those go together? Are they, you know, <laughs> spoiler um, alert. No, Jesus is not your boyfriend. Yeah. And you know, maybe we could talk about a Christian worship song every time, but there's the whole, 
you know, heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss yeah. phrase. And the controversy. Like, that, that just feels difficult to sing at a church service, but yeah. it's been done before. Yep. Yep. Um, so, um, so lay out those two ends of the spectrum for me. Start with a kind of forensic side and then share with us maybe what it might look like to have that kind of ushy gushy other end. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we could be like, we could show the poles and the extremes and just kind of chuckle at how weird it sounds like, you know, God floats up in the sky and doesn't like you and he's going to kill you, but Jesus died for you. So now he's not going to kill you. Yeah. And that's the good news. Like, okay. Well, <laughs> good. <laughs> that is just make sure you news. believe that, you know? And, um, yeah. And then the other side and actually Brett was touching on this in his last podcast, which, um, you know, his, Brett's podcast voice is is good, despite how much he hates podcasts. And I was like, "Am I even able to continue doing this podcast?" If if John because Zuber, I don't sound like Brett Gilchrist on this. Yeah, if yeah. Brett and John Zuber ever get on this podcast, none of us will have no, jobs. We're anymore. fired. Yeah. We're fired. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And so I actually want to maybe talk a little bit about like the union that they actually um, strengthen one another. And there's a couple of like key verses. Um, You've heard, in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And there's this unification to Adam and then a union with Christ. And um, that there's a a sense in which, well, I think it is the sense that all of the legal terminology actually is more beautiful when it's paired alongside this idea that it's it's a partnership and a participation in Christ. Um, And... Um, the way that I, you know, maybe over oversimplifying it is, you know, let's just picture like drowning. So you're drowning and you need someone to save you. And I think the image that we kind of have is like, well, instead of us drowning, Jesus kind of like swoops us out of the water and he drowns in our place. And then miraculously he like comes up and like, yeah, we both <laughs> we're both on the dock now and like with, with our beach towels. And that was salvation and and maybe a more like biblically accurate picture is that, you know, Jesus kind of wraps his arms around us and together we drown like, like God with humanity and us within Christ and like our old self has died. We are, we are resurrected with Christ and um, it just, it frames up all of the legal terminology within um, that union that we have with Christ and um, you know, as, you know, reformed people, we like to talk about like imputed righteousness, and, mm-hmm. um, propitiation, and a lot of these kind of fancy theological words. Um, and we, we want to be literal, but it's, you know, you could impute as if Jesus is disconnected to us, like God just kind of like makes it up in his mind. Like, I just now attest that the righteousness that Christ had is now yours. Mm-hmm. But when we view ourselves as in, as Part like one with Christ, Christ's righteousness is ours. Like it's it's more real almost. Sure. So uh, maybe that's a little bit tricky to understand, or just I don't think I'm saying it that clearly necessarily. But I did want to recommend um, this book that we have in our library. It's called One with Christ: An Evangelical Theology of Salvation by Marcus Johnson, who was, also, was one of my professors at at Moody Bible Institute. And um, I remember having this shift. Like one of the reasons this is important to me is because of my own story and we all do this, but, um, you know, I grew up in the church, went to Bible college, start reading, reading through Wayne Grudem systematic theology and just like learning all like firehose theological terms kind of overwhelmed with 
with all this stuff. And I remember sitting in a class. It wasn't with Johnson, but one of them is um, another professor. that They're like best friends, and I really like this guy, John Clark. Um, he lives in Wheaton. And John, I mean, that the way he presented salvation, soteriology, through union with Christ, it just rocked my world. It was like I got the clarity I needed. It, it was like the... Um, you know, the ballpark that all the other terms fit in and make sense. And it was a cohesive whole. And so um, I'm working hard to, to do better at being able to articulate um, that in the way that John Clark articulated it for me. And so I feel like Johnson in this book does a really good job at that. And, you know, in a 20 minute podcast and a 30 minute sermon, we're just barely scratching the surface. Um, and so if you, you know, if you have a little bit of time, I really, really highly recommend One with Christ by Marcus Johnson. It'll it'll expound on this. And is that available in our library? On it Sundays? is available Ooh. in our library. And it's library in, yeah. plug. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I was like, uh, Brett and Sean preached the first two. And I was like, you guys didn't plug the library, so I'll plug it week three. And then I sat down. I was like, I didn't plug the library. Nope. So, there's a lot going on. There's some guy calling me about a parked car, and um, I didn't have my slides. <laughs> Uh, my notes didn't print the right way. I don't know. It was just a fun Sunday. <laughs> and sitting from where I was sitting, even though I was in the midst of some of that mess, you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't know any of that stuff was going on. Fake it till you make it. Well, yeah. I did publicly acknowledge that my phone was ringing. From you did. Neighbor, so, I mean, yep. I, what were you doing during that time? If you didn't realize it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke. It was a joke. Hey, I take notes all sermon so that I can write the sermon questions on Monday. Totally. Um, so then I want to, yeah, transition um, out of the kind of, that just felt very, you know, head, head knowledge and stuff. But just to talk a little bit about prayer, um, we kind of didn't have a ton of time, but um, seeing prayer is the connection between our union with Christ and then the fruit that we produce, which came both in the image and then the following text. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was listening for that and I felt like, I feel like oh, I want to know more about how this piece ties into communion. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, if so, again, like these, these practice umbrella terms we're throwing out, like learning or communion or community, they're, they're, they're hoping to encompass a lot of more specific practices. So there's a sense that prayer is a practice of a Christian. Yeah. Um, we just didn't want to end up with like a list of 29 things. I just get complicated. So but I, to me, prayer is maybe the essential practice within the practice of communion. Um, not to, not divorced from any of the other things like community sure. or learning or the Bible, you know, all that kind of stuff. But um, with those relationships that we kind of framed up, um, you know, other misconceived ways you think about your relationship with God, um, you know, I found that a lot of us have, we've been taught to pray a particular way. And um <laughs> It's funny because you meet Christians from all over the country, right? Or, I mean, I have, I've been around and we all like pray relatively the same way. Sure. Um, we say God's name a lot. Some people say Father God and <laughs> yeah. repeat that. And, you know, we don't, things yeah. we don't do in normal conversation. Um, hey, Jarrell. So, Jarrell, how yeah. do you, Jarrell? Right. Yeah. Right. You're like, that would, I would punch you in the face. Yeah. I almost want to punch you in the face anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> just right yeah, over I'm, the just, edge. I'm already on the line, Chris. <laughs> um, yeah, so not only do we say God's name a lot, we say the word just all the time. God, mm-hmm. will you just do this, just do this. You're like, oh, like, what does that mean? And then we say these very ambiguous or like Christian cliche solutions, like a hedge of protection or just be with them. And, you know, our prayers just, they all kind of sound 
like that. And I don't, it doesn't mean we don't ask God for things. That's literally how prayer was framed up in this text is like, whatever you ask, he'll give it to you. But it's connected to the fact that, that your desires having been unified to Christ are Christ's desires and Mm -hmm. that your work participating and partnering with Christ is Christ's work. And so there's like a, there's a, there's a synthesis there of, you know, the things that I genuinely desire are Christ and the work that I'm doing is Christ. And so I'm, I'm asking in the name of Jesus. And so um, when Jesus or when the disciples say, Jesus, teach us to pray, um, there's an implication that they need to learn to pray, that we've all learned to pray. And what Jesus offers them is a prayer to be prayed. And I think we, it's for sure uh, like, a for, like a template or like a, hey, this is how you might pray. But I, I do think um, in my own life, I've encountered a lot of blessing from actually praying it like as a prayer to be prayed and that by praying better prayers, I become better at praying and like the language and framework that I come to prayer with is shaped by God's word rather than just kind of the, the Christian subculture, which I think hasn't really maybe served us super well. Sure. Yeah. So it sounds like you're, there's a, a sense of prayer is a discipline. It's a practice. Uh, we want to do it biblically. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to do it in alignment with God's word, God's will, um, which, you know, a lot of that, we see him talking about prayer. You, you don't have, because you ask not, you, and you ask wrongly. Um, so there is something more to this that maybe we should step back and go, okay, how am I praying? Mm-hmm. For what reason am I praying? Cause I've heard all of those and plenty more. I'm sure you have as well the slogans and those little things right. we toss around. Uh, many of them just aren't biblical. They're just not biblical concepts. Right. Absolutely. And, and we, you know, not to apply malice to most people who pray that way, they probably were raised to pray those types of prayers. I mean, I've heard hedge protection. I've heard yeah. <laughs> boy. Uh, yeah. Just all of them. Um, like grandma's big toe. That's always like, the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why is grandma's big toe always hurting? <laughs> <laughs> or the, I always cut the end of my Turkey off. And it's because the ovens were shorter back then. So anyways, (laughs) Um, (laughs) so there you're telling me that there is, there's value to be found there when we take a step back and we search scripture and we go, okay, Mm -hmm. what am I supposed to do about this prayer business? Yeah. And that, that two way partnership of not just using prayer as a way to align God's will to ours, Mm -hmm. um, but to align our will to God's. And you see this in, you know, Christ in Gethsemane and just that we're not just like, all right, grandma's in pain and the world's falling apart. We better pray. (laughs) You know, it's, it's about aligning our heart to God's will as well. Um, And then out of that alignment, we're praying like things that we genuinely want, but also that are in alignment with God's will. And again, that is the partnership that from the beginning, God has wanted to work and care for the earth and bear fruit through his image, through humankind. Um, and we get to be a part of that in Christ already. And then, you know, looking forward to a, a new heaven and a new earth when we get to taste that in, in full. So there's a lot of already not yet within this sure. practice of communion. And I didn't really do that justice, I think. And I also, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about the legal side as well is because I didn't really hit that or acknowledge that tension. Um for better or worse, I, I think that we hear that side a lot. Um, I mean, it's good that we hear that side. I didn't know if I should acknowledge attention on a Sunday morning. I thought it'd be more of a podcast thing. So, sure. Um, yeah. I, I think union strengthens strengthens the legal side. It doesn't compete with it. Mm-hmm. Is my um, 
my current position. That's your thesis. Yeah. Yeah. Prove me wrong. <laughs> um, and then the last thing I want to talk about was just, just um, joy and uh, delight, which is so, you know, fun that I, we got to pick Joy Dillon to read scripture. And, mm-hmm. I mean, she just oozes love of Jesus in a genuine way. And plus she's got the South African accent. I could listen to her read anything. Amazing. I was, yeah. was going to just have her read verses like one to eight. And I was like, you're going to, I thought about just reading the whole book of John, but whatever. <laughs> um, but some, like this idea that we would just delight and enjoy God mm-hmm. um, and that he delights in us. And again, not to <laughs> over push to like, Jesus is my boyfriend, sloppy wet kiss side. Right. But um, when he says, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full or your joy may be, may be complete, full. Um, my wife makes fun of the way I say full. I say fool. Fool? That's where I'm from. Yeah, fool. Full. Like my stomach is full. Oh, yeah. no. Yep, it's where I'm from. I, I blame <laughs> it on that. And so this delight that is our delight in God's word, is our delight in knowing Christ and um, to just sort through all those kind of theological weeds and be like, all right, at the end of the day, I'm delighting in my participation in the life and death and resurrection and ongoing work of Christ. Yeah. And that is wonderful. Yeah. I mean, we, we can look at scripture and see, especially somebody like Paul who talks about being content in all things and having joy that was unbound by the circumstances that we were in. And if it's, you know, if it's not connected here to the world around us, what's it connected to? Well, it needs to be connected to Christ and the promises and the work that's already been accomplished and the work that's going to be accomplished in the future yep. that is that is sure and yep. reliable. And I think one thing that can happen sometimes when we approach God uh, in a really limited view, um, again, we all do this. It's just a matter of maturity that we kind of develop out of this, but is, is that we end up with a God who is either um, – or a God that pushes us into a very specific w- mode of thinking, you know, where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this thing, but I'm going to, it's going to be grueling and life has to be miserable. I mean, I remember growing up, yeah. I had that thought in my head of like, I, I'm only doing the will of God if I hate yeah. my life. Right. If it's the opposite of what I want. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I think there is such a tangible joy. I remember a quote and I don't even know if it's worth bringing up cause I can't do it any justice, but I believe it was Martin Luther who said something about uh, how laughter was always like a, like a part and parcel of the conversations that they were having. And I think especially cause I'm, I enjoy church history. I enjoy the reformation, Martin Luther and all those guys. Um, but I do see how like you can get stodgy and like crunchy and, and just kind of a bummer to be around. And just a reminder that like that God hasn't done what he's done so that we can live a life being covered in dust slowly, nor one where we can kind of throw all the rules out the window mm-hmm. and to just have, have this loosey goosey free love Jesus, you know, that's just so romantically consumed with us. That's why he came down from heaven. He couldn't help it. He was head over heels for us. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, yeah. <laughs> why is he wearing heels? Maybe you no. <laughs> speak for yourself, Chris. Um, yeah, I was actually, I got to, go into Martin Luther's house in Wittenberg. What? And uh, fun fact is his wife, Katarina von Bora, um, they, she brewed a lot of beer in the basement. And uh, those table talks had the Bible, but also a lot of something else on the table. And so, I mean, I know Martin Luther's happy, but, you know, he had some extra help there. So. 
Um, fun fact. <laughs> so I want to step into kind of our, you know, we're kind of winding down here, our books and our practices, yeah. uh, rule of life. Um, we already plugged one with Christ. Um, there's a book about prayer by Paul Miller called A Praying Life. We also have one there by Tim Keller that's not in your book, but we had some laying around the office, so I threw it in there. Um, there's a little bit of a backwards nature of reading a book about prayer to learn how to pray. I think we should. Um, but when we get to the rule of life, part of what we're saying is the way you learn to pray to pray is through prayer. Mm-hmm. And so as a church, we have, you know, men's and women's prayer groups, as well as kind of a corporate collective prayer. You can pray in your small groups. And so um, I would hope that UFC would learn to pray by praying with other people who are being faithful to God in prayer and learning to pray from them. So um, you should read a book about prayer, but you should also just pray with people. <laughs> yeah. Pull it out of the theoretical. Yeah, yeah. Just do it. Um, there's a book called delighting in the Trinity, which we didn't touch on, but man, it's great. And it just, it goes into more of this concept of, uh, God as Trinity. It was already relational and there was, um, you know, mutual love there before humankind entered. Mm-hmm. Um, and so framing it up that way and understanding like the doctrine of the Trinity in a, in a fun and really simple, like it's a really short book. Um, and then the last one is called Emblems of the Infinite King. Um, it's just, uh, very well done artistically and visually and kind of simple on the text and heavy on the art. And I just thought it was a beautiful, you know, um, uh, portray of doctrine that mm-hmm. it isn't just in a big, thick textbook that it might it might lead you to have joy and delight and <laughs> without just frying your brain. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if you're, if you lean more on the artistic side of things, go for it. Yeah. I flipped through it and I was enamored just yeah. looking at it and. Yeah. It engages a different part of us that I think is a part that God has made and yeah. in turned and affected rightly towards God can be yeah, a wonderful thing. You would thing. say that as an artist. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so rule of life, if you guys, if you all have your handbook while you're driving, I'll make that joke every time. It's not going to be funny anymore. <laughs> but um, I, you know, so, okay, daily, what if you say, all right, every day when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to pray the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to, if I have it memorized, I'm just going to pray it or open up my Bible. And every night I'm going to use a psalm to pray. I mean, they've become the prayer book of the Bible. And so they can teach us to pray. And so that might be your daily prayer. I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer in the morning, and I'm going to pray through a psalm in the evening. Um, Weekly, uh, you might take a weekly Sabbath. Uh, You should take a weekly Sabbath. And the women's ministry just went through that. We've had a couple sermons on that. Um, There's books on Sabbath. It can be a little bit confusing as to what you should do or not do, Um, but I highly recommend a weekly Sabbath. You might take once a week, you're going to just go take a walk and just step away from the hustle and bustle and the technology and the noise and just try to, I mean, be with God in, in a sense on your walk and just step away. You could read scripture meditatively once a week and not just study it and pick it apart but try to try to allow God to speak to you through it. And not in like a bad exegesis way, but knowing what the text means, not just moving on to study the next text, but actually staying there and allowing it to soak into you that when, you know, meditation is like a, it's like a chewing, which is, you know, what this whole podcast is about is not just moving quickly, but allowing it to soak in. Sure. Um, Oh, I had this really cool illustration for my sermon that I didn't do, but my son has eczema and we put this like oily lotion on every night and, um, all of his pajamas are now like twice the weight of their original weight. And they <laughs> literally feel almost like a goo. It's like some type of like Nickelodeon slime that Ooh. he wears every night. Cause his, his uh, pajamas have soaked in the lotion so much that even if you wash it, it's still there. And I think I wanted to use that as an, as an illustration for meditating on God's word, but there you go. 
Um, you can join a weekly prayer group. Monthly, you might want to fast or you might want to do some type of extended prayer, like two or three hours. Um, and then occasionally, um, you might want to just consider like the clutter, the busyness, and the hurry in your life. Um, we are just indoctrinated by the American way of life. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we're doing that actually hinder our ability to just be with God because we're just so busy and in a hurry. So, yeah, my wife and I have had conversations this last week and many times about that specific thing of we are in bondage to our stuff. And when more stuff comes into our house, we are now beholden to that stuff. Yeah. And I said this thing, uh, how do I phrase it? I said, we don't want to sacrifice our children on the altar of our stuff. Um, it's hard to be a good mom and a good dad when you're stressed out about a house that's consuming you or, you know, your kids come home with seven more stuffies because they've got grandparents that love them very, very much, but we have a small house. And so, yeah, that last one specifically, we've, we've had a lot of conversations about, "Mm, I think this stuff owns us and we don't own it. Right. Yeah. I've heard an illustration of like the cost of owning a motorcycle is not just what it costs, but then the maintenance, the upkeep, the time it takes to maintain it, the time to ride it, Mm -hmm. the obligation you feel you have to store it. You might have to move stuff around to store it. And so, you know, just that one thing of, do I want to own a motorcycle? It's not just the price tag that you're paying. It's the ongoing maintenance and responsibility and weight of it. And so you start to throw in all that in our American lifestyle and um, we, we can create a world that has very little time to just simply be with God. Yeah. Yeah. Very little rest. Awesome. Jarrell, lovely as always. Hopefully this has been helpful and supplemental for uh, our most recent sermon on communion and encourages you to make space to enjoy God, spend time in prayer. Jarrell, thank you for coming Thanks, along. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, everyone. We love you. We love you. We'll see you next time. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week, so please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples.